The future belongs to those who see the possibilities before they become obvious. Welcome to Fireside Chats Without the Fires with Neil Toff and Paul Catherell. Drum roll, please. Friday, July 3rd, 2020. Yes, we are in the month of July. Fireside Chats Without the Fires in the beginning of July. We have an amazing guest today. Uh, we will introduce her in just a moment. Paul, you're with us, right? I am indeed, Neil. I am indeed. Happy 3rd of July holiday. Is, is that right? Can I, can I say that? Am I allowed to say that these days? What's, what's the situation? Please say it. Be proud of it. Happy 3rd, happy 3rd of July holiday and all the best for a long holiday weekend. Not only are we blessed to have a holiday on this side of the pond, uh, we are blessed to have a sensational guest who's joining us on what is a holiday, taking up her own personal time uh, from her home. Uh, we have the one and only multifaceted, innovative, champion, chairperson, two-time chairperson, Lisa, you're with us. Say hi. I am. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Um, early here in, in Northern California, but Neil, Paul, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Super. I wish everyone, unfortunately, this doesn't have video for everybody, but if everyone saw Lisa's smile right now, it, it, it's lighting up California. <laughs> it's lighting up the entire customer care world. It's great to have you, Lisa. Lisa Deal is the manager, this is a long title. I'm going to read it out so I don't blow it. Manager, comma, consumer advocacy, next line, global retail division, comma, North America consumer for blue diamond growers. It's a heck of a lot of responsibility. The, all the things that you do, Lisa, tell us a little bit quickly, for those of us that don't know you, what is Blue Diamond and what is consumer advocacy in the global retail division, North American consumer at Blue Diamond Growers? Sure, I'm happy to. So Blue Diamond Growers, we are the manufacturer of the ever-loving Blue Diamond almonds. We, you know, our, our, we have our almonds, we have our almond milk, almond breeze, and we have our, uh, our nut thins. And so those are our major products that we manufacture here in Northern California. You know, Blue Diamond is really known for, you know, our, our we deliver the benefits of almonds to the world. And um, very uh, old company, been around since 1910, started out as a California growers exchange. And about 1950, somewhere around there, they moved to the name Blue Diamond because Blue Diamond is one of the rarest and thought that their product was one of the rarest out there. And so we became Blue Diamond Growers. Uh, we're a co-op and um, we, are, we are responsible for getting all of the almonds that come from our growers out to the world. So that's what Maybe we do. Tell us, about, tell us about your other second full-time job, uh, I, we've alluded to the organization on other podcasts in, in the recent past. Tell the audience what it is that you do in your other full-time job. So in my other full-time job, I am board chair for SOCAP International. And uh, SOCAP is an association for the consumer care uh, industry. And uh, we do great things uh, as far as putting out some great content, beautiful organization for networking, really growing your, your professional skills. Uh, I've been a member of SOCAP for over 10 years and uh, really has helped me in my career along the way. So uh, very excited and very honored to be um, their board chair for a second year this year. That's wonderful. So in full disclosure, I try to be as full, offer full disclosure when, when, when relevant. My company has the chance to work with Lisa so I had a chance to get to know Lisa in that professional aspect. I also serve on Lisa's board at SoCap, so I've worked cl quite closely with her there, uh, and I've also just been a been been able to uh, learn from her, 
We've spoken at events together. If you're looking for someone who knows this industry is an innovative thinker and innovative operator, we got it. We, we're checking all the boxes here today on Fireside Chats Without the Fires. Thank you. Definitely. So let's get right into it. So those of us, those that have listened to our uh, most recent sessions know that we've had a session typically that concludes the show called Mythbusters, CX Mythbuster. And we're going to do that for a reason. If you wouldn't mind, share with us your CX Mythbuster. Sure. You know, I thought about this one for a while. And, and one of the things that always comes to mind is, you know, in most organizations, because people never know where consumer advocacy or customer affairs or customer relations, whatever you want to call the area, you know, where do they go? Where do they report to? And they've generally always been known as a cost center to the company. And from my perspective, I believe it's the other way around, you know, Consumer advocacy teams are absolutely the voice of the consumer. We collect so much data for the company stored in our CRM, and either it sits there or, you know, you've got um, other areas that may want to tap into that. And, you know, insight teams really spend millions of dollars each year on consumer research when much of that information is truly just a few cubicles away, you know, in your consumer advocacy department. And so tapping into that, um, on what your consumers are saying, what your consumers want, whether it's an inquiry, whether it's a suggestion, you know, what is a better product? You know, what can we make this flavor? Can we do that? And, and so, um, you know, we've learned that at, at Blue Diamond and that we've had a, a structural change. And now my team reports up into consumer insights and they are, they are grabbing all of the data that we have um, that hasn't been traditionally done in the past. And so, you know, really great information that the teams collect. So we are no longer considered a cost center. We're a very valuable part of the organization, bringing valuable data that in a sense was free. I love it. So we're going to call this session today, the title, we're going to baptize this as don't look far away, dummy. It's right in front of your face. But in a nice way of saying it, we could call it CX Solution is right in front of your face. How about that, Paul? You know, Neil, I would never question a man of your intelligence or skills. So I'm good with that, my friend. Lisa, tell us, I've alluded to, uh, I've used the word innovative in the things that you've done to operate, to serve customers, to make customers happy, satisfied, resolve their issues. Uh, you have the additional task of having to deal and resolve medical issues, adverse events, those kinds of things. But you've done so always in an innovative way across channels and now utilizing uh, some additional technology and, and capabilities around artificial intelligence. Talk us through just a little bit. What does your day-to-day -day contact center and consumer affairs like look like? Yeah, so when I started with Blue Diamond um, almost four years ago, um, it, it was um, three deaths, you know, working Monday to Friday, eight to five, you know, we had voicemail, we had a channel for email, and that was really about it. And the snail mail would pile up and it would sit in a bin until somebody decided to get up and go and do something with it. And, um, you know, I, so I started to look at, you know, how can we really change how we operate. And, and I really had the vision of, I want to create a center of excellence. And so 
you know, looking at broadening our hours, broadening our scope, you know, we, we work with a new phone system, you know, I brought Neil and his team on um, to really help us to, to strengthen what I, what I was looking for in my vision. And we also brought on quite a bit of technology. And so working with one of our SOCAP partners, um, and if I can say it, Astute Solutions, um, we, we actually brought on uh, a, a, a chat bot about a year and a half ago. And so one, one of the things I was looking at with the chatbot is, can I re- reduce a little bit of my call volume? And um, what I found with the chatbot is not only did I not <laughs> meet that goal, but my business grew. And what I discovered um, was that I was really reaching a new subset of consumers that I wouldn't have reached otherwise. And that was, you know, opening up a new channel and meeting the consumer where they want to communicate with us is very, very important. And so then off of that, I decided to, to bring in live chat. And so the, the consumer will start in our chat bot. And depending on if they can't get what they're looking for, you know, there is a live chat uh, button that they can click and that will take me right to my agent team. Um, And so looking at, you know, for the bot, can they answer the most mundane questions? Can I get a coupon? Um, You know, what flavors do you have? You know, is there sugar in this product? Is there, you know, what, what is the calcium intake. And so we've developed the bot to be able to answer a lot of those really easy questions. But what we also find is, you know, our consumers want to be able to chat with our agents. And um, it was one of those, you don't know what you don't know until you launch it and see what's going to happen. And what we found was, um, it was it was really, really interesting to see where that channel grew, where we're getting three, 400 chan- or chats a month now, where we started out with maybe five. What have you learned about, so going back to the topic about, you know, insights and analytics, what have you learned, if anything, and, and maybe you haven't learned enough yet, maybe you don't know yet because it is relatively new, but what have you learned? What does Blue Diamond now know that it didn't necessarily know before? You now have the advanced technology. What do you know? And then really the next question is, what the heck do you do with it? You got some data. You got these things called insights. I'm sure you got some PhDs and master's uh, students, graduates over somewhere. What the heck do you do with it? Yeah, so what, what, we're, what, we've, what we started doing, and we really just started doing that this year, is you know really tapping into the data that we've collected over the last few years and sharing it with our marketing and our insights teams for them to better understand, you know, not just launch a product because they think it sounds good, but really, de- you know, getting into the details of, you know, what are our cons- our loyal consumers looking for? Are they looking for a pizza flavored almond? I don't know. You know, we we might have so much data around that that it makes sense for our innovations team to say, why not a pizza flavor almond? Um, and so those are the things that we find that the wealth of information really comes from that voice of the consumer, whether it's coming from email, whether it's coming from um, our chatbot, whether it's coming from social media, digital reviews, those are all the things that we're managing. And so really gathering that information. And so now when we're looking also at competitive information, you know, what is what is our competitors doing and what are people saying about it? So we're also bringing in that information and then putting it into a voice of consumer report, you know, for all the broader teams. And so now they're really looking at things a little bit more holistically. And again, this was data that we were collecting anyways. So now it's being really put to good use. Sensational. Cutting edge. Cutting edge stuff. It is, it's been exciting to be a part of this effort. I've learned from it. I've participated in parts of it on, on the implementation and planning on the chatbot side and how to 
capture what information, but it's it's overall been a sensational thing to be an observer and let's call it a casual participant in it, having had the privilege of, of being asked to, to be, be involved in it. It's, it's amazing. You're going to have to definitely come back on this, uh, come back to the session on, you know, could give us updates, chatbots, how it's performing, because there's so much frustration out there that chatbots are dumb bots, they're not conversational, they're not helping, they're frustrating the consumers. But you know what? You have an example that is shining right now. And I think a lot of people are probably looking to you in, in the consumer affairs world as the beacon of hope that this can be done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And one of the fun things that we did is we made our bot bilingual. Um, and so we, you know, our, our bot also speaks Spanish um, for, you know, a subset of our consumers that, you know, we were looking at, um, you know, when we, when we launched our horchata and other um, products. And so looking at it, one of the things that I thought, well, why would we just speak English when a subset of our consumers also speak Spanish? And so we decided to make the um, the, the chatbot also bilingual. So the consumer can pick a language that they want. And if they go down the Spanish channel, then the bot will converse with them in Spanish. Paul, I'm going to ask you and Lisa this question, because I think both of you play in the same uh, sandbox here on this one, is the ownership of the company website. So the website typically is where consumers go for more information before they transact, or they want to find out more about something about the company. However, there's a chat window oftentimes. Some of them have chat bots now in the case of Blue Diamond. Paul, I yeah. think you guys have a chat bot in some places. H have you had the creative tension among your company among uh, over who owns that customer care portion of the website? Who really owns that? Oftentimes it's the marketing folks or the e-commerce folks that say, this is my real estate. I'm the owner. I decide what technology, I decide the business rules, whether we're going to put it on or not. But really what happens is this is a customer care property, right? It's it's really operated by both of your departments. I'm curious to know both your, your takes on that. Yeah. So from my perspective, we did go through a bit of a tug of war in terms of who owns what from the whole website and, you know, into the, the live chat scenario or the chat book. Um, I should I should really say. So how it works now internally for us is that Care own updating the chatbot, and I'm, I'm not familiar with the chatbot that Le what, the one that Lisa uses, but the one that we use, you can uh, you can educate it or you can train it on the types of questions that are coming in from the customer. So if we see a trend of certain questions that are coming in and the chatbot doesn't know the answer, which is then resulting in an email to live chat, what we can do is we can train the chatbot to give the correct information to the customer and on average we are training our chatbot around about 150 to 200 new questions a week across both brands we own that that's something that care own. and we don't need to go through marketing or creative for their sign off to update the chatbot however because creative and marketing own the brand voice they're responsible in terms of how it looks and it feels so if we've got suggestions in terms of kind of, you know, the chatbot, what it looks like and what it feels like, then we do have to go through to run it up the flagpole with marketing stroke creative. So that's how that works. Yeah. And we're very similar, Paul. So I, I look at it. So anything inside the white box is mine. Anything outside the white box is is marketing. Yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah. you know, we, we do, we I, I do all of the administrative. So I do a lot of the, what I call training the puppy. And um, so we're, 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 we're doing very similar 
Miller type work um, in, in keeping it updated and looking at how consumers are asking questions, you know, making sure that the next time a consumer comes back and asks that same question, we're getting the answer correctly to them. Yeah. So, yeah, very similar. I did have a question for you. One of your open statements was that when you launched the live chat, sorry, you didn't see a deflection or a decrease in voice volume. What you actually saw was the channel opened up to new customers. If that channel hadn't opened up to those customers, those customers wouldn't have been able to get their issue or get their resolution resolved. What do you think would have happened to those customers? Would they eventually have called in? Would they eventually have left? What's, what's your I, gut feel on that? I think my gut feel is they probably would have left. Um, okay. You know, there, there's there's a lot of consumers, and now you start looking at demographics and you look at the younger generation and, and those that yeah. want to be able to chat with an agent because I can multitask when I'm not on the phone. I could be sitting at yeah. my desk and I could be, you know, asking Blue Diamond a question while I'm still doing my job. If I'm sitting on the phone, that's going to take me, you know, where now my cubicle mate can now also, you know, hear what I'm saying and what I'm doing. Um, and so, you know, utilizing chat and, and being able to resolve issues for consumers, you know, that's really the way of the future. And, um, you know, with the next generation, whether it's, you know, even the millennials are all grown up now. So you're not starting starting to target Gen Z and, um, you know, the way that they're that they're growing up with technology. And so really just keeping up with, you know, where the consumer, you know, wants to be and can you meet them in that channel. In the vein of this great quote you just gave, a CX puppy. I'm going to ask you as we start to wrap up the show, you shared two amazing CX quotes with us with us that I really love. Would you mind sharing them with the audience? Sure. You know, when I when I first began many, many moons ago, you know, there used to be a saying that used to sit outside somebody's office in customer service. And I just, it has always stuck with me. And what it said was, for failure to prepare on your part does not constitute an emergency, emergency on my part. And when I think about that, that's not customer service. Customer service is an emergency on your part is what I am prepared for on my part. And so being able to respond quickly, be prepared to, um, you know, to be able to respond to whatever the consumer is asking and, and being in the food industry, you know, that can be, as you alluded to earlier, Neil, was you know, it could be an adverse reaction. It could be a sickness. It could be something just as simple as I want a coupon. And so your agents have to be very flexible. They're, they need to be able to pivot. They need to be, you know, versed on your product and all of the things that are around that. So it was more being, being prepared is really what's key on, the, on that quote, not just, hey, if you're not prepared, then it's not my problem. Because um, I just never, ever believed in that in customer service. We're always prepared. Wrapping up the show here, you have a long, long, but distinguished list of CX heroes. Who are they? Give us a little quick blurb about, about each of them. Definitely share them with us, please. Sure. You know, I, I, one of the people on my list was, um, and this is power to the women. Sorry, gents, but this is this is a power to the women for me. Um, you know, when I first started my career, one of my managers, Cindy Simmons, um, was one of the first managers that really let me have the power to make decisions, the power to grow, the power to learn, the power to fail. Um, and that's really how you learn. She didn't micromanage me. She's like, it's your department, go run it. And, um, you know, there to support, but I learned so much from her and her management style that that's kind of how I continue today. So, you know, shout out to Cindy Simmons and I haven't talked to her in many years, but, um, she was always, always a mentor to me. 
Um, one of the other people on my list, Kim McMiller, um, when I first joined SOCAP, um, Kim McMiller was the Chicago chapter president because I'm originally from Chicago. Um, and, uh, you know, I have followed in her footsteps throughout my SOCAP journey where I started, you know, where I became the president of the Chicago chapter and then joining the national board and, and, and Kim is a past board chair. So I always look at my journey was in the footsteps of Kim McMiller and she's a, a, a wonderful person, really always have looked up to her. Um, you know, when I look at, you know, people like Marianne Kerr and Susan Baranowski and Leslie O'Flahaven, you know, very much, um, people that I've always admired, people that I've always looked up to. Um, Beth Ziff is another one. Um, you know, Beth is, is, is a wonderful, wonderful person. Um, I work with Beth when we had uh, an unfortunate recall a couple of years ago at Blue Diamond. Beth and her team have been so wonderful to, to work with and uh, always admired Beth. But I think my biggest mentor in all of this is Marie Shubin. And so people who know Marie, you know, will, will most likely agree with me. Marie, uh, when I first joined the national board at SOCAP, Marie was the board chair. And when I was going through transition within my job, as I was, you know, my job was being eliminated at orbits.com where I used to work. And she was really instrumental in encouraging me to look outside of Chicago. She was really instrumental in, you know, once I decided to come out to California, you know, during that whole interview process, Marie knew several of the people and made phone calls on my behalf um, to really, you know, get me in the door. And, and people knew me when I came in. And and um, I just I just can't say enough about Marie Shubin and all the things that she's done for me. And and I still reach out to her as board chair, you know, because she's still, in a sense, mentoring me. Now, she is retired from E&J Gallo and loving her life in Arizona. But that doesn't mean I still don't reach out to her via Facebook or, you know, <laughs> you know, picking up the phone or via email. She, I know that she, she will always be there for me if I needed a question answered. So props to Marie Shubin. Those are my CX heroes. There's a sensational list here. I, I think I, with the exception of Cindy, I know each of them. I know each of them, I believe, from SOCAP and from some other things. Marie Shubin, you're right, is a sensational leader, pioneer, I would, I would argue, in consumer affairs and, and certainly all the things that she did within SOCAP. Beth Ziff is a competitor of my personally in my business, but Beth is someone who I respect, I admire. She has an impeccable reputation. Uh, Beth is someone I would ask for help when it comes to operations. I mean, there's nobody who knows contact center operations better than Beth Ziff. She's, she's amazing. Leslie O was on our, 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 our podcast recently, and she was an incredible guest. She and I did a little pushback on each other. We had some fun there. Uh, Sue Baranowski is, is, uh, is, is well, uh, an incredible operator. Uh, Marianne Kirk, Kim McMiller, uh, Vicki Cherney, and Cindy Simmons, who I, I, I don't know, but uh, you, you have a, an amazing list of CX heroes here. More power to them. Uh, some of them I hopefully will be able to have on the show at some point because they are pioneers, they're powerful people, they're operators. They are true thought leaders in what, they, what they've yes. done in our space. Absolutely. And I don't think I would be where I am today without some influence from each and every one of those people on my list. And uh, and I, I, I did. Sorry, Vicki, I, I didn't mention you. And, and Vicki and I uh, work, you know, very uh, closely together because we're in similar co-op type uh, jobs. And um, so we're always bouncing uh, ideas off of each other. You know, what's happening over at Lando Lakes, what's happening at Blue Diamond. 
very similar business models. And uh, so, yeah, every, every one of these people that I put on my list, I, I, I treasure. And again, I don't think I'd be where I am today without having some sort of relationship with all of them. Well, we treasure you. This is a sensational session. You are a kind soul to come on. Bless us with your presence on holiday, federal holiday, Friday, July 3rd. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your insights. Thank you for your partnership. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you for being an innovator and uh, and for having a really fun time together with us. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Paul. It's been a pleasure. Beautiful. So we're wrapping up here. Friday, July 3rd, Fireside Chats Without the Fires, the concluding drum roll. Here it is. Everyone have an amazing holiday. Once again, Lisa, thank you. We are so lucky to have had you. You got to come back and visit us at some point. We're rooting for you, cheering you on. You're done doing some sensational things and we want to hear more about it. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. This has been another episode of Fireside Chats Without the Fires with Neil Toff and Paul Cathro. Follow Neil and Paul on Twitter at Neil Toff and at PaulCat72. Podcast feedback and topic suggestions are always welcome. Thank you for listening.